Hi there, and welcome to a special Christmas edition of Meanderings with Trudy. I'm Trudy Chapman. Usually, you join me for a walk in the forest, and we meet a friend to talk about joy in their lives, what that looks like. This episode, it's kind of the same and also kind of different. Today's guest is a good friend of mine, Angie Arndt. She's a person who knows joy. In fact, she's pretty much studied it all of her life. In her work over the last 25 years or so as a United Church minister, she's sat with people through both joy and sorrow, and we talk in more depth about her experiences and that multifaceted nature of joy and how keenly linked it is to life's hardships. Like many things in life, we can't have real joy without real sorrow. And Angie and I, we were reminded of the Lebanese-American poet Khalil Gibran in his book, The Prophet, where he talks about our very capacity to feel one is dependent on our capacity to feel the other. So as we enter into the week of Christmas 2020, Angie and I dive deeper into discussion about what joy really means. After this terrible pandemic year, when we've all been tested and stretched in ways that we never appreciated we could be, I thought a deeper exploration of joy might be a good way to close out this year. So cozy in, sit back and join us for a walk in the forest. Angie and I, we're going to have a Christmassy explore of the deeper meaning of joy. Thanks for joining us and Merry Christmas. So joining me for today's meander is Angie Arndt. The formal introduction is director, mentor, and educator at Big Stone House and collaborator at Deep Life Coaching. The way I know her as is as friend, joyous soul, teacher, mentor, guide, bubbly person that she is. And she's going to join me today as we talk about joy. I guess one other thing it might be helpful to know because she comes with such deep background in things um, is that she's also an ordained minister with the United Church of Christ, although I think is no longer practicing like in a formal way, in the way that she's used to for the last 25 years or so. Um, she also moved up from the United States about a decade ago, give or take, um, having met uh, a wonderful guy, love of her life. And we're lucky to have her. And she lives in Elmont. Welcome, Angie. How'd I do? That was a pretty good introduction. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty okay. good. Yeah. Okay. So we, yeah. at, on these podcasts, I talk with people about what brings them joy. And so I, before yeah. we jumped into that, I wanted to ask you, you know, as somebody who's studied a lot of this stuff, maybe deeper than I have, and many of us have, what is joy? Oh, man, that's a great question. You're right. I have dedicated my whole life to the study of joy, mm-hmm. which seems like a weird thing. Maybe that should be on my business card, you know, <laughs> Angie Arndt, student, student of, of joy. joy. Because uh, that's really what yeah. it is. I, I think, in my experience, that where I get messed up is when I conflate joy and happiness. Mm. And it's so easy to do. Yeah. It's so easy to do because I, I think what makes me happy will make me happy. Mm-hmm. Meaning it will bring me joy. And sometimes what I think will make me happy does not make me happy. Meaning it does not provide joy. Mm. I think joy is that thing inside us. I'm just going to talk personally. It's that thing inside of me that feels connected to all of life, regardless of what's going on in the world around mm. me. Um, it's that, it's that um, as we would say in my former business, that still, small, calm place. Still, small, and, calm place. 
inside of us. Still, small, calm place. That when you are with it and in it, there's nothing but joy. Mm. And it feels like light. If light had a feeling, it would feel like joy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But not light as in lightness of being, as in feather, and not light as in neon Las Vegas, but light as in warm, light as in real, light as in... So joy is more of a, than a, yeah. (laughs) And that would be the difference between happy. Happy would be, I'm going to, I don't know, Disney World, and I'm going to ride the, ride a roller coaster. Not that I would ever do that, because I'm afraid of that. (laughs) Absolutely. I would, and I would love it. And it would make me very happy. And it may even bring me joy. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I think happy may be a subset of joy, but joy contains so many other Mm -hmm. things. Joy is grief. Joy is anger at times. And joy is just a real authentic expression of who we be in the right. moment without needing to demean or diminish anyone else, without needing to blame or shame anyone else, without having to fix or change anything in that moment. Obviously, there's things that we can mm-hmm. do to grow, to become, to be better connected, to care for people and life and ourselves. Mm-hmm. But joy is only present in the right. moment. Right. And it's, um, I'm interested by your connection to grief, because we're talking about joy, uh-huh. and we don't necessarily see joy and grief together. And, you know, I know a few things about this, but I'm interested in what you know about this. Yeah. <laughs> Again, student of this for <laughs> probably all of my life, professionally for 30 years, um, that having had the privilege of being with people in all kinds of grief. Some of the most heartbreaking things that you would never ever wish on anyone. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, the joy of actually having someone to share Mm -hmm. it with. Um, The joy of having uh, something to grow through. The joy of recognizing that this moment will come and go. The joy of, I, I, I honestly think that some of my most joyful moments have come in the most grief-filled moments. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like a really odd thing to say because they also come in happy of course. moments. <laughs> that's, that's not mm-hmm. true, but um, uh, can I tell yeah, a story? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're all about stories here. I know, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know this to be true. Like, if you cut me open, I would bleed you story. Would. And how many podcasts do we get to tape we, today? We could tape we as many as we want. For days. We could go for days. <laughs> well, we'll have you back. How's that? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. The never-ending conversation. Um, yeah. So the story that just popped up mm-hmm. as, I was, as I was exploring this grief and joy yeah. here in this moment was at the very end of my official ministry mm-hmm. career. having spent 25 years in a pulpit wearing a robe and a stole and working with thousands of people. I I got to work in a little tiny church where, you know, we had potluck dinners all the time and everybody knew their neighbors and Mm -hmm. gossiped in between the sermon and the prayer. And it was a small town and I loved every moment of it to a great big church of of 3,000-ish people. And I got to work with a lot of kids in that setting. And, and, And my job was really about evoking their story. You know, what's sacred about you? Mm-hmm. What is sacred about life? Not what are the right answers and everything. Anyway, one of my favorite kids in all of my time there, his name was Carson. 
and Carson was, he would, he was with me from the time he was little to the time he went through confirmation with me and learned stories and he went on to be in high school. When Carson was in uh, grade 10, I think is what, it was sophomore year in the States, it's grade 10 <laughs> in Canada. So when Carson was in grade 10, um, on one spring day, right after he got done singing in church choir, he went home and wrote a note to his mom and said, I can't take this life anymore. Mm. And he took his own. Mm. And no one, no one saw it coming. Yeah. No one saw it coming. He was in a, in a high school choir with a hundred kids. He was a star track and field, a nationally known track and field runner. He was full of joy. This kid saw joy in every aspect of life, but he also felt deep pain. And when I got the news, I was stunned that someone who embodied so much joy could not hold the pain of the world. And so I went to his mm -hmm. mom and dad and his yeah. brothers. He was the youngest in the mm -hmm. family. And the grief was unbearable. Yeah. The grief was damn near unbearable. And literally at his visitation, thousands of people came. Thousands of people came with balloons and with hugs and with stories. And when we buried him on a sunny day, a thousand people were there in the church to tell stories. And in the middle of that, what I would never wish on anybody in the whole wide world, either the, either the weight of the pain that Carson carried or the grief that his parents carried or the grief that all of us, you know, could we have seen it? What could we have done? How could this life be gone? Uh, be yeah. gone from us? You know, I still see it. I have a picture of him right here mm -hmm. in my office. I keep it right over my shoulder all mm -hmm. the time. He would pop his head in my office every Wednesday night and say, Hey, Edge, how are you doing? <sighs> hey, Carl, how are you doing? <laughs> and now, 10 years later, I still miss yeah, that. Yeah, of course. But in that moment, as we sat together, the joy of having known him. Yeah. The joy of having him continue. And I know it sounds so churchy mm -hmm. or so to say he lives on through us. That sounds like a, a Band-Aid or it, it sounds like a, a placebo or it sounds like it. But, but it's true. Mm -hmm. There is not a week. I started to say day. It used to be a day. But now it's more of a mm -hmm. week that doesn't go by that I don't think Carson would love him. Mm -hmm. Or I don't see him pop his head in my office here in Canada. Mm -hmm. You know, two thousand. He's never been to. Pop his head in. And yet never, he is. Ever. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so joy in that deep, deep pain and grief is that sense of living with and through each other. That sacredness, there's a word that is sometimes, you know, can cause a little bit of a, we inch away from that we have a, a reaction to. But the sacredness of life is the joy in every yeah. moment. We breathe. It doesn't make it feel better. It doesn't take away the pain. But it reminds us that we're not alone. Yeah. And, you know, that I still remember the horrible pain and seeing the people's faces as I stood up in front to give Carson's eulogy. And the first words out of my mouth were, this sucks. Yeah. And everybody went, yeah. Joy is true. Yeah. Joy yeah, is it's true. not always happy, is it? it certainly is not, not in this happy. instance. Yeah. 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 So in that, we, there was a great joy of, yes, this does suck. And... We are all better people because we knew and loved Carson and he knew and loved us. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
that's that's the deep grief story that pops up. There's other, you know, things, but yeah. yeah. We all have it. We all care. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know, that's one of the interesting things around life is is these opposites are always they always seem to be there. You know, we appreciate yeah. the light because right. there was a storm or darkness the day before. We appreciate yes. the winter because it was so damn hot in July, right? Yeah. All of these one because of the other and it's like a seesaw that that never disengages from moving from one side to the other side yeah absolutely yeah yeah and isn't it funny how we always wish our way out of the moment though it's too hot in july i can't wait for yeah. <laughs> and then winter comes it's too cold I can't I can't wait wait for july. July. <laughs> always wishing ourselves somewhere, somewhere else, else rather than yeah. right here i know and right here is the oh it's cold and i hate yeah. this it is. Yeah, and it's and beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and you're cold mm-hmm. too. And, and we're cold yeah. together. And isn't that actually and we're kind cold of fun? Together. That we I can know. experience this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. So moments like those, in a in a strange way, mm-hmm. are joy for you. When Absolutely. we define joy in that small, quiet place inside of us, calm. Yeah. That's still small. Yeah, but I would add to that accepting, wouldn't you? You kind of have to Mm. accept that moment sucks, as you said, standing at the pulpit. Mm. And also accept there's like, he touched all these lives. All these people cared enough to show up because they knew him, Mm -hmm. because they know the family, because they know the parents, and because they can't not. Absolutely. You can't not. And I wonder sometimes if our fear of the sad, if our, if our um, aversion to, to the pain of grief, mm. understandably mm-hmm. so, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, in, our, in our grasping for happy, that we don't shy away from those rituals and those traditions, a funeral, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. or those moments where we have the opportunity to say what's real. Yeah. Even to say what makes us happy, as simple as it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, that we don't shy away from those things and therefore lose a piece of our to, to lose the skill set mm-hmm. to be with joy, to even know what joy mm-hmm. is. That we become so removed from the daily practices, the weekly rituals, the, the traditions that come with re- religion or spirituality or even good old family gathering, mm. even good humanist things sure. that we do. Yeah. That instead of copying what other people do, that we haven't inherited them and made them our own so that joy is accessible. So I don't know that we have to accept that. I, I don't always accept that it sucks. Mm-hmm. I don't accept it. No. <laughs> I'm not going to accept this for the moment. And I'm not in them alone either. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's the maybe it's the acceptance of the awareness of interdependence yes. instead of independence or codependence or whatever that is that our our aloneness that we are interdependent mm-hmm. and interconnected mm-hmm. and that is something that, is, that both scares the bejesus out of me at times how interdependent we are and how much my thoughts and actions affect and infect mm-hmm. others how alive making that is at the exact same time yeah 
And maybe that's the paradox, is that this interdependence and the way that we really are connected to each other is both scary and life-giving. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that that must worry you because it's on my mind as we're as we're moving through now nine months of this pandemic is it's pretty much gutted those places Mm -hmm. and those interactions that actually feed that calm, quiet internal place that resilience comes from, you know, because because I think I think joy and resilience are connected together when we use this yes. definition rather than the happy defi- yeah. definition, but the, the, right. the, the deep abiding joy that is the foundational piece. Um, yeah. 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 I, I wonder about that too. Um, someone mentioned the other day on this, uh, this practice that we do on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. here where we get to actually sit together, which at first seemed like an odd thing. It's called sitting mm-hmm. on Sundays. And people come, and, and it started out to be a meditation kind of practice, but then it grew into story, mm-hmm. un- understanding ourselves yeah. in each other's stories. And we believe that going online in March, when all of this, when the world stopped on a dime, that this would be a placeholder, that it would, this would tide us over to get through until we could get back to mm-hmm. normal, until we could get back to sharing space together, until we can get back to sharing those stories and being still together. I think being still together is a way to tap into that still small mm-hmm. place yeah. that we, we feed off of it with mm-hmm. each other. So going on a screen was a was just a marker. It was like dog ear in a book. Like we're gonna come back to this place. But for now, this is this is where we're gonna be. And after eight, nine months of doing this, somebody said the other day, it doesn't feel like a placeholder mm-hmm. anymore. This feels like real community. And I wonder in these times as much as I rail against some of the change, like I, I yearn to cross the border and see my daughter. I am angry about this sucks mm-hmm. has come out of my Once mouth so many times. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to go and sit. I, I want this. I want that. And in so many ways, my toddler self has come out just kicking mm-hmm. and screaming at moments of I want it to be the way I want it mm-hmm. to be. And then in moments where we try and just figure it out, like, let's cobble something together so we can stay connected. Mm -hmm. What can we do? Let's get together on Sunday mornings on a screen. Mm -hmm. And over the past few months, all of a sudden, that's become not just a placeholder, but a place for genuine connection to to name this sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to say, and this lights me out. Yeah, absolutely. And so I wonder through this, these pandemic-y days, for those of us who can entertain, if even only for 30 seconds, a possibility of a new kind of connection, of how we can come through these times with the awareness of how interdependent we are on each other, and to, to do what we can to feed that to, in, in ways that are nurturing, and not just do it the way that we always did, because that's the way we always mm-hmm. did it. Because it's comfortable and it's easy and that's what I know and that's what I want. But yet to let these things that have bubbled up continue to take on a life of their own. What is it that makes us meaningful? How can we feed that? I, so here's joy in the midst of the yeah. grief of pandemic and the isolation of it and, and the, oh, the fear mm-hmm. of it and the anger about it and the anxiety mm-hmm. of it. All mm-hmm. of that. 
is that there are pockets of people who are connecting to name that, but not to wallow in it and say, and what do mm-hmm. I hope for? What do I commit to as we walk through this and out of it? Yeah. So on the other side, that I can continue to live in joy. Yeah. And not let it go and go back to what's comfortable and normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The pursuit of happiness, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot lately about adaptation. You know, we, mm-hmm. we'd started to have that conversation um, as a society around climate change. You know, it's not yes. about the changing climate, climate, it's about adapting to it. And mm-hmm. as each day passes and week and month in this situation, um, that's what it's feeling more and more like to me, is we have to adapt to the new reality of what is here. And what does that look like? And, and in my own life, what does that look like? Um, and I think people are finding, um, sort of moving into that same space, uh, communicating more. If you have someone over to the house for a backyard visit, you tell them, you show them immediately where the bathroom is and tell them that it's been sanitized. Like, that's my practice. And here's some, here's some uh, spritzer for your hands if you need it. And I wipe the outside of your coffee cup. And, and like, communication uh, along those lines, very practical lines, um, yeah. is happening a lot more. And people, I think, are, are having conversations around, you know what, I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling low when you get that, you know, that cursory, how are you, you know? Um, yeah. People stopping and talking on the street together when they're out walking their dogs or just out walking um, mm-hmm. in a way that they wouldn't have, you know, a year ago. Yeah. yeah. So we're adapting. Oh, as you said that, as you said, you know, adapting, and that, that word is so, that's resilience. Yeah. You know, it, that's when, to go back to that word, joy and resilience come together. And adaptation does too, that we aren't stagnant mm-hmm. people who inherit stagnant traditions and do, and, and yet we do. We get into stagnant ruts yeah. all the time and this opportunity to adapt. But as you were talking, what came to me was the adaptation for care. Mm. Not just an adaptation to the, to the virus, yeah. because we're also adapting in ways that aren't so helpful. Yeah. Um, possibly, that there seems to be a chasm, you know, being from the States, I do watch the politics Mm -hmm. there, and the chasm grows wider and wider as we isolate more and more, and the opportunity to see the other as other um, seems to uh, be growing more and more with with these pandemic days. That's an example that I'd rather not pull up right now. The example I'd rather (laughs) talk about is the one you just gave, though, is as we find ways to adapt to be with, to actually be with each other, is an adaptation for care. Yeah. Like, I wiped off your coffee mug because I care about you and I want you to know. Um, here's the bathroom. I care, in case you need to use it, I want you to know that it's safe to do so. Here, I care enough that I want to hear your story. I want to spend time with you. So here's a safe space to do so in my backyard. And I cared. So I wonder in these days, that is just now popping mm-hmm. up as you, as you gave that yeah. example, is we have a choice of how we adapt. Are we going to adapt in for fear or are we going to adapt for care Mm. and the adaptation for fear does not bring joy no it doesn't no and you see the communities that are are, that do come together around anti-masking and and this isn't a pandemic and it's just the flu and so on and so on those are communities i would say that are less nurturing um than Mm. um they could be yes um but also i i 
well, you've heard me say this uh, time and again here and there, is that we are wired for belonging. Mm -hmm. And not, and belonging comes across in so many different, not just belonging to a friend or not just belonging in a relationship, but belonging to life, period. That's something I would call God, not everybody does. But belonging to a bigger picture of something, to know that my place here matters, that yeah. I matter. And that I am just a small piece of this puzzle here at this point in time on the planet. And that doesn't mean that there's a bigger plan and it doesn't mean there's predestinated, none of that at all. It's just that I belong to something bigger than me. Right. When I tend to that, there is a sense of care that comes out. But when I don't feel like I belong, mm -hmm. when I'm just trying to fit in, the difference between belonging and fitting mm -hmm. in, you know, when I'm just trying to fit in, that's when that fear, you know, how do I fit in? Who are my mm -hmm. people? And you can find a place of fitting in when fear is involved because it's so, it's, I can do that. I can hate. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of the human condition. We can all mm -hmm. hate. We can all get angry. We can all see the other as other and want to be better than or right mm -hmm. or over and against because it gives us that place of what we think is belonging. Mm -hmm. and, and a feeling of aliveness, right? That, that fire a inside. Of aliveness, yeah. A feeling of purpose. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And yet that's not a community of care of the whole. Mm -hmm. and, does nothing, in my humble opinion, does nothing to evoke or elicit joy. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you started this conversation about we're going to talk about joy today, you know, I can't help, you know, I, I think you said that this is going to air towards. Mm -hmm. the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the hope is, yeah, that's and, the plan. Yeah, that's the mm -hmm. plan. And so if, if the plan rolls out as, as, as expected, it may, <laughs> Which as it expected will. and as it, <laughs> as it could, because it will. Is that sense of, you know, in, in the tradition in which I was raised and grew up is, a, is the Christian tradition. And that's um, it, that the, the weeks leading up to Christmas are called Advent. And they have a very specific theme for e each mm -hmm. week. There's peace. There's hope. There's love. And week four, just the last few days before Christmas Day. And by Christmas Day, I just mean the incarnation of sacredness in human mm -hmm. form. So it's just, you know. So the last one is joy. The very last one is joy. So, so we go from these, the wrestling in the darkness of, of wanting to feel that, that peacefulness, that, that still small place. Mm -hmm. To finding a kernel of hope that it's possible. Mm -hmm. To love. To some recognition of love is really, not just that mushy, syrupy, you know, gushy kind of, oh, I love mm -hmm. you, and I love chocolate, and I love mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. But that sense of belonging that comes with love. And then out of those things comes this sense of joy. Mm -hmm. And in that comes a realization of just the soulfulness of being alive, mm -hmm. of what a privilege it is here. And I don't think that that, that can be lived into in places that are hell-bent on fueling fear. Yeah, um, It's easier to fuel fear. Yeah, It is easier to make somebody wrong and want to be right. I think joy is hard work. I think joy is is just amazingly hard yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. Hence the conflation with happy. Because we don't like hard work. Hard work is not fun. <laughs> hard work hurts. Hard work hurts. It sucks to use that. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> It does. But, you know, know, we started this conversation with a, uh, a discussion around how your computer is giving you some hiccups and did an update that, uh, that yes. dumped a bunch of stuff and put you back a year. <laughs> it, 
Oh, and that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's it's a reset time. As I contemplated what I wanted for um, this time of Christmas, which is the tradition that I was raised in, um, yeah. did I want to have the flashy baubles, or did I want to present something real, uh, a real discussion around what is this place of joy? I've had, oh, what is it now? Close to twenty different um, uh, conversations with people around what brings yeah. them joy. And so many times people talk about connection to others. Mm-hmm. They talk about um, a hard work leading to satisfaction. Um, those, are, those are two things that come through and that, that sort of speak to joy the way that you've defined it. And yet that wasn't where we started in any of these conversations. The, the question is always what brings you joy? What lights you up and why? Yeah. Uh, as an attempt to try and, and um, bring people into a place of contemplation of, you know, there are good things in regular people's lives. Let's focus on that because there doesn't seem to be much room for that anywhere else. So right. let's create another little space where we can do that. Um, and every single conversation has had something about connecting with people, um, caring for people, working hard towards something, and feeling satisfaction and happiness around that. Um, yeah. And all of these things giving people a quiet sense of joy. There, there have been some, you know, woo-woo, happy, happy, happy kind of things, but a lot of it is just that quiet satisfaction of a job well done, um, a connection well made, reconnecting with old friends, all of that. It's yeah. been lovely to see. And so when I contemplated this conversation at this particular time, because I believe it'll come out sort of the, towards the end of, of December, just before Christmas, I wanted to have that. Yeah, we have all of our shiny bubbles. And those shiny bubbles come from somewhere. Yes. And let's look yeah. at that. Yeah. Um, when I moved to Canada eight years ago, is that true? Almost eight years ago. Um, so you and I are talking right now. It is not yet December. Mm-hmm. It is almost mm-hmm. December. <laughs> and coming up on, circled on my calendar still is Thanksgiving, yeah. which, you know, for those of us who were raised in, in the Midwest of the United States, that's about as sacred a holiday as, as it comes. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes with its own fraughtness of political correctness and all those things, and yet the opportunity to get together and share a meal with people that we love and carry on, mm-hmm. you know, playing cards at the table and telling stories and re- and looking at old photos and you know it's very nostalgic mm-hmm. and all those things. When I came to Canada in the spring of 2013 and lived here for a little while, it dawned on me coming into October that. It was late October, around Halloween time, that y'all weren't going to celebrate Thanksgiving at the end of November. And it was stunningly hard to accept. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It sounds so simple that these things that we carry near and dear, the traditions, the thing that you don't even realize until they're not there of how important they are. I went into a funk. I'm not going to lie. I went into a real bad depression mm-hmm. about this. I, you know, I had left my, I, I had lived in Iowa my whole live long mm-hmm. life and had moved here to the land of Montreal at the time uh, to be with the love of my life. And 
has all things, as all fairy tales have their truth, that it was very lonely mm -hmm. at times. I didn't have the things that I knew to be true. All of my worldly belongings were in storage still back in the States, waiting to be cleared by customs. Mm -hmm. My friends and my family were across the border that I couldn't cross as I was waiting for my permanent residency. Mm -hmm. And I was now living in a home with a husband who traveled for work all by my lungs himself on a street where people spoke French and only waved as they walked by. <laughs> Ouch. I'm oversimplifying sure, this. Sure, sure. Deep, dark days. In that yeah. moment, as the days were getting shorter and the light was growing dimmer, I was becoming more and more depressed, yeah. thinking, what kind of mistake have I made? And Thanksgiving's coming, and everybody's going to be gathered around and, and eating their turkey and playing football and Scrabble and taking naps. And, and I was so homesick and so lonely that it was about the most miserable, miserable feeling I'd ever experienced. Yeah. In the midst of joy, in the midst of new mm -hmm. life, in the midst sure, of sure. newly married, all of these things, and, the, and, and learning how to say things like eggs in French so I could talk to the grocer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was exciting, yeah. and, it, and it was, there were moments of happy sure. in there. But the joy was getting dimmer and dimmer and harder to accept. Yeah. The week before Thanksgiving, I was literally laying flat on the couch and probably hadn't showered in a very long time and wasn't talking to anybody and didn't feel like eating. And um, this sucks probably crossed my mind more than once yeah. a day. And I decided that I was going to swing for the fences. Like if we want to mix football and baseball metaphors, I will do that. And I was going to swing and knock it out. And I was going to by God get to know the people in my neighborhood. and. So the weekend before, Thanksgiving falls on the fourth Thursday mm -hmm. of the month. On the Saturday before, I sat down at the dining room table with a, with a Sharpie and some computer paper. And I wrote, please come to Angie and Peter's house. Here's the address on Saturday after. Th I didn't figure they would take off work mm -hmm. to join us. So Good call. On the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I know. Well, I wanted to, but <laughs> Peter didn't think that they would. And please come over on Saturday, and I will bake pie. It's American Thanksgiving, and Angie's an American. It would delight us to have you come. And I hand-wrote all of these notes and took them around door-to-door -door like a Girl Scout selling cookies and stuffed them in the doors if nobody was home or stuffed them in the mailboxes up and down the mm -hmm. street. And on Thanksgiving Day, I baked pie like I would have anyway. I baked pumpkin pies and apple pies and pecan pies. We had five pies oh in all. Went to the uh, SAQ mm -hmm. or the, the liquor you know, store and yeah, bought yeah. some wine. Uh -huh. The liquor store bought some wine. And on that Saturday, come seven o'clock, we put on a pot of coffee and opened the wine and set the plates and cut the pies, and nobody came. Mm. And nobody came. Nobody came. And at seven forty, I sat there and sobbed and said, "I have to leave." At 7.45, the doorbell. <laughs> and it was the neighbors across the street, my mom and dad and their little girl, Violet, who came in and said, thank you for the invitation. My name is, and we're glad you live in the neighborhood. We see you outside with your dog sometimes, and we've been wanting to say hi, but we don't know. And they walked in, and I gave him a piece of pie. And two minutes later, the neighbor next door, who was our MP, actually, oh, wow. uh -huh. came in. And he said, what a great idea. We never do this in our neighborhood. Thanks for doing this. Within an hour, there were 20 or 25 people crammed into the mm -hmm. kitchen, crammed into the living room, 
laughing, saying, I didn't know that. Really? You too? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. And somebody walked up to me and said, we don't, this isn't our tradition to do this. And I said, I didn't think anybody was coming. And they said, well, what time did people come? And I said, it was quarter till eight. And they said, oh, well, that's early. You said seven o'clock, right? (laughs) Yes. But where I come from. If it says 7 o'clock, you show up at 6.45 and help set set up. The house is full by 7 o'clock. So again, a realization of different customs and traditions that were so... Here I was feeling probably the most lost and lonely that I ever have in all of my life. And I've had plenty of other opportunities to be lost and lonely that will be... We'll save those for a different podcast. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I thought that I had made a huge mistake and I would never belong here. Mm -hmm. And within an hour, the house was full. And somebody deemed this night pie palooza. <laughs> and it was declared a holiday on the street that we would celebrate forevermore. And we did. Every year that we were there, the house was full of, we got up to 10 pies and we got up to 30 or 40 people as children, newborn babies, on up to people in their late 70s and 80s, one of which who only spoke French and had a heck of a time, but wouldn't miss it because of the stories in the community. Yeah. It was the one night of the year that we took the time to say, tell me what's the best part of your life right yeah. now. And people sat there and said, and this ache, my daughter's failing school. I don't know who else to talk mm-hmm. to. Over pie. Yeah. We sat there from 7 o'clock at night until 1 o'clock in the morning talking about the real stuff that matters. And that is a very long way of saying joy is in those moments. Yeah. And sometimes we have to set it up, the conditions to make it sure. happen. Yeah. And it may work and it may mm-hmm. not work. People might not mm-hmm. have come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who knows where that story would have gone then. Yeah. But it took a lot of courage. On my part, it took courage to put it out there and say, I need this. I need people. Would you please mm-hmm. come? And it took so much courage on their side to say, I don't know you, but I'm willing to take the chance that you didn't poison the pie yeah. and we're going to be okay. <laughs> and... I, I believe it comes in those, those everyday moments and not just in the big, splashy funerals and weddings. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And both are there. And both are there, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a natural close. However, I also feel I'd be remiss if I didn't say, what else brings you joy? I know all of that brings you joy. <laughs> a list. A list yeah. that brings joy. I live in a big stone house that has a story mm-hmm. to it. And every day I walk outside and I look for, some, for a part of that story that I don't yet mm-hmm. know. Um, whether, it's an, whether it's a chipped window that is 150 years old, and I wonder where that came from. Or whether we have two yellow dogs, two golden retrievers here that are constantly finding me something mm-hmm. to look at. Some things I'd rather not look at. Yeah. <laughs> but always pointing out something. Yeah. Um, to me, what brings me the everyday joy mm-hmm. is just the looking to see what I might have missed or what I hadn't noticed before. Yeah. And the chance to share those with somebody else, mm-hmm. like you in this moment, mm-hmm. like the people on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Like anytime we grab a cup of coffee and say, what brings you to, to be able to share the simple joys of life, to share the things that ache me, 
And if there's nobody in particular present at the moment, to be able to say it out loud, because I do believe that there's something that holds those stories about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Call it God, call it good, call it the bigger picture, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But to say it and say, this lights me up, this aches mm-hmm. me. Thanks for mm-hmm. listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether it comes in the form of you or whether it comes in the form of a yellow dog, <laughs> who knows how yeah. it comes. But yeah. pay attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also believe there's a role for witnessing, you know, for receiving. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think we need both. I think we, we need to be able to offer up who we are. Yeah. And we need, and I, you know, it's not always a skill that we all have or mm-hmm. uh, give time to. Yeah. But the satisfaction, maybe, mm. just just the simple joy of holding space for someone else, and yeah. and and receiving their story and holding it with care, and not necessarily even commenting on it as much as just saying, you know, thank you for sharing that part of you with me, because that that matters. Yeah. And that sounds maybe too, um, well, we just don't do it a lot. It goes back so earlier in, the, in this conversation, you know, I talked about how we don't, we being the, the royal, mm-hmm. we, like all of I, us, I'll talk and, personally then. And me. Oh, my, right. How we, we, we dig our heels in and put on the brakes and stiff arm our arms to not talk about things like grief. Mm-hmm. Or to not even talk about the things that are really joyful, even because they might sound too s- simple or trite, yeah. or you know, God forbid, somebody would think that I found great joy in walking around with my yellow dogs. Mm-hmm. Like, surely there's got to be something bigger and more grand mm-hmm. than that. That's all you got, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, so we we stiff arm and we stiff arm the traditions and the rituals that w- that were created for that, that gave us the practice of doing yeah. that, and for all kinds of reasons. And that too is another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We have so many to do, um, but but we've stiffed armed them and, we, and we've turned away from them to just live in this narrow happy and sad instead of grief and joy. Yeah. We want to stay in that happy sad zone because that feels manageable and controllable. So when somebody shares with us truly something of mm-hmm. the heart, I don't think we know what to do yeah. with it because we have, we're not practiced. Yeah. I might have to fix it, and it may touch mm-hmm. me. If you share with me, uh, Carson, if I tell you Carson's story. It may touch you in a place that you just don't know what mm-hmm. to do with it. Mm-hmm. A young boy took his own life, and all you could say was, "It sucked." Like, what do I what do? What do I do with that? What do I do? With Am that? I responsible for fixing you somehow? Right, and, and we just don't know what to do with our own t- touchedness yeah. about these things, about the how it how it draws something out yeah. of us. The ache and the joy and the love and the hope and the peace and the. Yeah. And it's only in practicing that. When I get to hear yours and be touched mm-hmm. by it, that's the still small place. Yeah. Yeah. When I get to share mine with you and you can just hold it, that's the still small place. Yeah. And then we leave it and then we forget. We have to go get groceries. And there, you know, the dogs do need a walk and they we need to go and they're the tired. We sure. have to put snows on, snow tires on. And, Life happens and we go about, but then we get to come back mm-hmm. to it. And the more often we come back to it with intention and attention, 
we get to grow that still small place so it's not elusive so it's not and it's not even just contained in us that it starts to shine out like people are drawn to mm-hmm. it and that i think is what it means to radiate yeah that's what that's what christmas is all about Charlie. <laughs> and yeah that's the truth yeah. of it is the more we practice being there the more we radiate mm-hmm. it and the more connection can happen it doesn't mean bad things don't happen it doesn't mean there aren't really sucky things going mm-hmm. on but it means the connection can be tended to and cared for so that it grows yeah. in ways that we don't even know. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So even though it feels weird, yeah. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for this. Thank you, Trudy, for asking. This was a great non-walk walk. Non-walk walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of those these days. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Meanderings. Join me again for a walk in the forest and a chat about what matters in life. I'm dropping an episode every second Tuesday, and you can pick that up wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Trudy Chapman.